Welcome to Spotlight, your weekly guide to all the arts, culture and community events happening in Dublin and beyond, not to mention Irish music. I'm your host, Ruth Medjbear, and on this show we have a very gorgeous live session from musician Maria Kelly, and not one but two interviews with some very funny people. We have film and TV director George Kane and comedian Emily Ashmore. Now, if you're listening to me right now on Dublin City FM, feel free to text me in your thoughts or requests or whatever's going on in your head to 087-179-1032 or you can connect with me on social media. My personal handle is Ruthless Imagery and you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anywhere else you want. I don't know if you do the TikTok thing, but I do and I'm there. Um, also, if you're listening back on Spotify, you are very welcome. I hope your day is going swimmingly well. First off, let's get the ball rolling with some brand new Irish music. This is a tune from the incredible top buzzer that is Shinners Blanco, a.k.a. Sinead White. You may recognise her voice from some of Dahi's tunes. Um, she also features on Elaine May's record, Home. And she can also be seen playing with houseplants, usually wearing a very fancy guna, as is the aesthetic of the band. The lads be wearing suits and all that. The girl gets around, but this is her first foray into the spotlight of her own with a brand new EP on the way called Bye Chick. Which is about saying goodbye to someone that you used to love. Here she is with Insert Coin. Now that you decided you don't want me in your life, yeah, I got a scissors. Cut out my gizzard. Just let me be. white with insert coin and if you like that make sure to tune in to us again in a week or two when I'm going to have Sinead live in studio performing that track and more for us especially now of course the Dublin Fringe Festival is happening right now in venues all across Dublin 
586 performances in 27 venues. How could you even begin to choose what to go and see? Well, I'm going to make that really easy for you. There is one event that I am dying to go see. It is called Wake and it goes from the 8th to the 17th of September in the National Stadium, of course, there in Dublin 8. I'm really glad that that venue is getting used again to its maximum capacity. Wake is the new show from the makers of Riot. Do you remember Riot? It went really, really big there for a few years. It's a howling, raucous, soul-stirring celebration of community, regeneration, and the magic of collective catharsis. Yes. It lifts the veil between worlds where club culture meets Irish tradition in an exquisite frenzy of ritual, rave, grief and joy. Of course, this can only be from the one and only production company called This Is Pop Baby. Um, Now, This Is Pop Baby is, of course, Philly McMahon and Jennifer Jennings. And they also have associate artists like Emmett Kirwan, Tara Flynn, Alma Kelleher, Emma DeBerry, Panty, Panty Bliss and basically just any sound head that's floating around Dublin. So to look with a crew like that, you can be assured that this is Pop Baby Shows are going to be fresh AF. So that is Wake from the 8th to the 17th of September. I have my tickets. Maybe I shall see you there. Now we can't have all that excitement and not follow it with something very, very danceable. Here is a tune from a collective, like a three-part collective, I guess, called The Sea. Am I pronouncing that right? The Sea, The Say, S-E-I. Sure, look, we'll see. Uh, Here is a tune that I came across maybe a few years ago and I absolutely fell in love with. And I said to myself, Ruth, if you ever get a radio show, this is something you have to play. It's called Matroma and they are called, I'm going to say, The Sea. We brought this on, resisting that our lives were missing.
Ashmore is a 22-year-old stand-up comedian. Her quick wit, surrealism and topical humour has charmed audiences all over Ireland and beyond. She has performed at comedy festivals, in Vicar Street, Electric Picnic and even the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. But she is about to embark on her very first show as part of our Fringe Festival. Emily, thank you so much for joining us on Spotlight. Thank you for having me. So very exciting times for you at the moment mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you are about to do your very first Fringe show. Yeah. How does it feel? It's scary. <laughs> I would be absolutely bricking it, to be honest, but I'm sure you've got it in hand, right? Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. I have like the, the bulk of the work done now, so now it's literally like fine-tuning do it yeah I'm living breathing and sleeping the show at the moment so yeah that's yeah. good that's what we like to hear it's like you're ready for this you're going to take on the world or you're going to take on the vintage room in the workman's absolutely the show runs from September 12th to September 22nd mm-hmm. um, okay it's called Ashes to Ashmore now I'm going to just I don't know what paraphrase this it's a show about your knees yeah <laughs> am in I a right nutshell. yeah exactly right, you have to tell us because you you know what I I know this story and it's it's quite sad it's really sad but you somehow you know being the comedian that you are can find hilarity in it so tell us about your poor knees so when I was about 15 I dislocated my knee for the first time on a Dublin bus I was coming back from a big shopping trip with my pals um, and lying on the floor of the bus kneecap backwards I looked like a Barbie doll like literally put back in the wrong way um, and then that was the beginning of like the most toxic relationship of my life, me and my kneecap. So they just kept trying to leave me and they kept crawling back. And so I'm 23 now. So it's been, yeah, a few years of that. Just some kind of pop in, lock in, you know, <laughs> just doing their own thing. They're that- independent ladies. Um, so my... I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. This is really serious. No, it, it's, and it's, it's really... Funny. It's not. It's horrendous. How many times have you dislocated your knees? Oh, I've actually lost count at this stage. Like, I actually don't... I couldn't even put a number on it. Is it excruciating it. when you do it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's just... And I can't even look at it. I'm so squeamish that, like, I can't oh. even look when it happens. I do literally be like, can somebody look and tell me where my kneecap is? <laughs> so it's, it's not that thing like you see in the movies where, like, they just kind of reef it back into place and it's like, it's fine. Yeah, I've done that a few times Oh, my now. God. <laughs> I've, like, caught it like a like a baseball and kind of, like, you know, got it back into to first base. But the <laughs> most of the time, yeah, it's kind of a bit stuck there and oh, someone you're... needs to come a medical professional and... Oh, push it back in for me. Freaking me out, you poor thing. But, but this is a condition that you live with though now, right? Is it? or? Yeah, yeah. There's no like name for it. Um, I've been through like loads of different doctors who have had different kind of theories as to what it could be. But 
I think when I tell people about it, I just say I have dodgy knees. And dodgy then that knees. kind of wraps it up in a little bow for me. I'm like, yeah, they're just a bit dodgy. They're just That's, a bit. No, I'm sorry. I have dodgy knees just because I'm old and I like to roller skate. You have <laughs> you way worse <laughs> not dodgy knees than me do. No, girl, that's worse. Like, you need to own this. This needs to become like Ashmore syndrome yeah. or something. <laughs> the first of your kind. There will be medical journals written about you and your quote unquote dodgy knees. <laughs> Oh, but you have turned it into a fringe show. Yeah, so I kind of, I spent a lot of the time hiding it from people, whether it be kind of like my friends or then when I started doing stand-up, like my audiences, when like you're a young woman in stand-up, you kind of want to come across as this really strong, like, um, character who's like got no vulnerability and kind of like, you know, just just really kind of un... Of course, yeah. Unwaveable. But so a lot of the time I'd be kind of like, throwing my crutches at my boyfriend and kind of limping onto the stage or whatever but I'd never kind of say it or never kind of bring it up it was always kind of like my little hidden mm. thing that I that I dealt with but then I decided um this year to kind of reclaim the story and kind of tell it the way the best way that I know how through stand up through jokes because it was a, like every no matter how hard I tried to be really sad about it and really kind of like contrarian like oh my god like my, my life is so difficult I live such a difficult life it was it just always ended up being hilarious for some reason like I could never get away with the really dramatic Jane Austen character I think that's, that's the comedian in you because if, if that was my story I would have a like full-on violins following me around the whole time oh no so you're fair play to you you've put a funny spin on your sad knee story yeah on my tragic knees yeah, yeah. but yeah. you know what because you are remarkably young to have your first friend show I think mm-hmm. you know what I mean like 22 23 you're just like fuck that's 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 really really young like so fair play to you but you touched on it there and you know what we kind of have to talk about it a bit like being on stage as a female comedian is mm. tough, I'd imagine, right? Yeah. I it's, mean, it's it's probably, you have to deflect probably a lot of heckling normally. But I imagine as a woman, there's a lot worse that they throw at you. Like, yeah. have you got a thick skin at this stage? Yeah, definitely at this stage. I kind of, when it happens now, I'm just kind of expecting it. So I'm like, grand, like, let's let's go. Let's let's have this out. <laughs> Do you you kind of, you tackle it like head on. Tackle it head on, yeah, yeah. And just kind of have a bit of crack with it, you know, like not let it kind of throw me because I think if I was let it throw me I don't know if I'd if yeah. I would gig again like it's not to sound dramatic but yeah it's... no that's not dramatic it is you know it is a really tough industry it's like the music industry it is really tough for women to get on stage and do what they do and be criticized for definitely. absolutely way more things than the, the lads are like you know definitely so yeah. we do need to see more women and more young women on stage leading the way and deflecting all that stuff that they fire yeah. at you. Putting so, them back in their place, yeah. putting them back in their box. So yeah, I'm delighted comedy. to see it. Yeah. And you're no stranger to Dublin City and to, to gigging. I mean, I looked at kind of your Instagram and then what's coming in the next few dates and stuff. I was like, you got a lot going on. Yeah, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I can see. I mean, you don't look tired no. here looking at you in the studio. You look fresh and glowy because you're in your early 20s. But <laughs> I'll give it to you. I'll concede. Okay, you're tired. Because you do gig an awful lot, don't you? Yeah, I know. I'm only joking. I, yeah, I absolutely love it. Like, that's just yeah. my life. Is it something that you have to do at this stage in your career is just be out there every night? Yeah, or it's it's even something that I just want to do. Like, I find when I have a few days off, I'm kind of like, 
getting itchy feet. I'm kind of like doing stand up to the dog. I'm just like, come on, like, what do you think about this? Like, I, I can do material and he's like, on. Rough. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <that's a> terrible <laughs> joke. He's my worst heckler. <laughs> um, oh my god. Okay, how is you even right? What was your first show? How do you start? If someone's at home and they're like, you know, a teenager, coming, I'm funny. I, I should be on stage. Like, is that you know? Do you just kind of go? I'm gonna build a little show and get on stage. How did you start? Yeah. So I did. Um, I did the stand up course with Sharon Mannion so oh. she's a, um, an amazing stand up she runs the comedy cellar in the international every Wednesday she's like incredible like uh, just an amazing comic um, and I did kind of a workshop for her because I was kind of I was like I really want to do this but I don't know if I'm if I am actually funnier if this is just something that needs to be checked <laughs> I don't know if I need medical attention or to do stand up so then I <laughs> Fine line, you it know? is, yeah. And I really wish a lot more like established comedians would ask themselves that every so often. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a, it's a gray area kind of thing, but um, yeah. So I did her course; she was amazing, really encouraging. And then just started st- signing up for things and working through some really really bad material to get some good material. Yeah. So yeah, I just kept. Once I did my first gig, I was kind of bitten by the bug, and yeah, just was. I've been running around the city. That's amazing. ever since <laughs> running around the city, running around the city, and looking fabulous, right? Because if I could bring everyone's attention to your other Instagram profile, <laughs> sustain a bitch. Yeah, so you yes. you dress in sustainable fashion, and you do it yeah. so well. Thank you. Where does the girl from that come from? Like, why do you love it so much? So it's kind of it's a little bit in my family. So I'm very trendy, like aunties of course and you do. stuff. You of know, course my you can see it in you. <laughs> they're fashionistas. My mom and stuff. We always kind of had similar fashion sense. So we kind of always, um, like they would always give me their clothes and stuff. Um, and then I was like, God, I kind of love this. I love, um, just wearing the clothes I own, loving the clothes I own, and like not. I just like um not a fa- fast fashion fan no. I'm not a fast fashion girl I oh, I could go on a big rant about that but I won't but well, um, I mean there's the time if you want to go on a big <laughs> rant about fast fashion I've got your back here I do I've got your Thank back you. I mean it's wasteful it's you know there's all sorts of things we could talk about like really yeah but yeah I agree with you I think it's fabulous what you're doing um and I think as well it is your generation that's going to save us from a burning world hopefully hopefully not a pressure on your shoulders I know that on my Instagram page yeah <laughs> just on your tiny little Instagram just like yes this is it she's uh, the, the pins of our, our we pin the whole hopes of the world onto you but um no you do have some really good um pieces there and just a good ethos yeah I love it my my main thing is just wearing the clothes that I already have and keeping kind of my cycle to like a really small minimum like what I buy I try to buy like as little as possible but it is really um it is really handy when you have kind of like like like-minded family and like-minded friends because we all just like share clothes swap clothes donate clothes to each other and then I am an absolute demon for the charity shops like you will find me in Oxfam just literally like going through every single piece of clothing on the rack just being like "Mm, yeah I think I can make something from that I think I could do something with that so yeah I love it it's brilliant that you can do that and spend the time I think you have to have such patience and I know some people find like just they're in love with doing that uh, that's my idea of hell. Really? I can't do charity shops. I can't. I think I have all these like 
thoughts running through my head going, what about the person that once loved this? Where are they now? Like, so weird, isn't <laughs> That's it? That's so nice. You're like trying to tell the story. Yeah, oh, like, I like the that. Person. No, it's terrible. I feel like haunted by them wearing their clothes. Like, so, yeah. <laughs> what if somebody died in this? <laughs> so, you know what? And that'd be fine. But I just hope they were happy in it. And that's what goes oh. into my head in a charity shop. But I do, you know, I love charity shops. I love what they're about. And I love the, the like that, just like the exit from fast fashion would be fantastic. So you're, you're doing, you're doing wonderful things. Wonderful, wonderful things. Fair play to you. So, listen, very best of luck with your show, Ashes to Ashmore, uh, which will be opening on the 12th of September downstairs in the vintage room, the gorgeous vintage room in the Workman's Club. It's a fabulous place. So, listen, best of luck with that. I hope you have all the crack in the world. Thanks a million. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Here's an event you're not going to want to miss. It is Pat Barrett of Arrivalists. Arrivalists is the band name. He used to be in a band called 10 Speed Racer and he's doing his debut performance of the beautiful record Last of the Written Pages, a record he wrote over the last few years while caring for his elderly parents in their later years. It's an incredibly emotional and honest album which you can hear in full in, at Smock Alley Boys School on Thursday the 8th of September at 8am and tickets are just €20 Euro for that. What, what It'll be an absolutely gorgeous performance. Let's take a track from that record. Here is Station Depart from Arrivalists.
at what's happening around Dublin and beyond in the next few weeks. As always, if you'd like to send me some event suggestions, please do. We'll gladly shine the spotlight on anything that's happening in your world. You can reach us at spotlight at dublincityfm.ie or find me personally on social media at Ruthless Imagery. This is your station and your show as much as it is mine. So you tell me what to play and what to feature. Now, here is an event that will suit a lot of people, probably more than we know, from the 10th to the 14th of September in the National Concert Hall. It's an event presented by Anya O'Hara and it's called The Rest Rooms and it's part of the Dublin Fringe Festivals. It's a creative gathering of hope, joy and togetherness for, by and with disabled 
deaf, chronically ill and neurodiverse people and anyone else who's exhausted and anyone who needs a rest and anyone who wants to come together in an atmosphere of communal care, consideration and survival. And honestly, doesn't that just sound like an absolute tonic? It'll be open from Saturday the 10th to Wednesday the 14th of September from 11 to 7 every day as part of the Fringe Festival. And the thing about this is they're having lots of events during this whole thing. So there's there's what they call a Crip Rave, which is there's DJs uh, who are having this dance party. It's a celebration of disabled joy. Um, there's a panel discussion called What is Rest? An evening of performance art a Crip Trans Art Workshop, a cosy reading group, another panel discussion with disabled artists and theatre makers, a speed networking event offering an all-too-rare opportunity for disabled and chronically ill artists and makers to connect. There's an autistic art club workshop for autistic adults. Um, Collage making, there's just so much, so much that is going on there. That is in the National Concert Hall and it's called The Rest Rooms. Let's have a look at what's happening around Dublin and beyond in the next few weeks. As always, if you'd like to send me some event suggestions, please do. We'll gladly shine the spotlight on anything that's happening in your world. You can reach us at spotlight at dublincityfm.ie or find me personally on social media at Ruthless Imagery. This is your station and your show as much as it is mine. So you tell me what to play and what to feature. Now, here is an event that will suit a lot of people, probably more than we know, from the 10th to the 14th of September in the National Concert Hall. It's an event presented by Anya O'Hara and it's called The Rest Rooms and it's part of the Dublin Fringe Festivals. It's a creative gathering of hope, joy and togetherness for, by and with disabled deaf, chronically ill and neurodiverse people and anyone else who's exhausted and anyone who needs a rest and anyone who wants to come together in an atmosphere of communal care, consideration and survival. And honestly, doesn't that just sound like an absolute tonic? It'll be open from Saturday the 10th to Wednesday the 14th of September from 11 to 7 every day as part of the Fringe Festival. And the thing about this is they're having lots of events during this whole thing. So there's there's what they call a Crip Rave, which is there's DJs uh, who are having this dance party. It's a celebration of disabled joy. Um, there's a panel discussion called What is Rest? An evening of performance art a Crip Trans Art Workshop, a cosy reading group, another panel discussion with disabled artists and theatre makers, a speed networking event offering an all-too-rare opportunity for disabled and chronically ill artists and makers to connect. There's an autistic art club workshop for autistic adults. Um, Collage making, there's just so much, so much that is going on there. That is in the National Concert Hall and it's called The Rest Rooms. Let's take a little tune and then we'll come back with some more events, not to mention a chat with film and TV director George Kane. And of course, live in our very own studio, we will have musician Maria Kelly who will play some tunes and have a little chat with us as well. But first, The Dive is one of Wallace Bird's new songs from her recently released album Hands. I love that she called her album Hands. There's a story there, but I'm not going to tell the story. Maybe I'm going to be able to coax Wallace in one day to tell us some stories and play some tunes herself. Um, This version of the song with new airs is a new arrangement for voice, guitar, piano, violin, viola and cello. And you can really hear all of that in this new reimagining of Wallace's bird, The Dive. 
You are like jelly and leather, arms by your side, ten meters high. Watching you look down, there's so much to prove. Is that it in your mind? You press your fingers, breathe it aside, step into the sky. one of Ireland's greatest exports. He is an incredibly accomplished and highly sought-after young film and TV director, working with the likes of Phoebe Waller-Bridge on TV shows like Crashing, Brassic, Newsoids and Time Wasters. And tomorrow, we'll see the release of his first Disney show, Wedding Season. Hello, George. Welcome to Spotlight. Thank you, Ruth. Hello. Thank you for taking time out of your super busy Mm. recording schedule or (laughs) wherever you say it in the film industry. Um, So, come here, tell me. 
uh, tomorrow on mm. Disney Plus, you have a brand new show starting. I do. Wedding uh, season. Called wedding right? season. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Tell me about it. Wedding season. It's uh, it's sort of being billed as a genre busting show in that it's um, it's like a rom com, meet cute rom com, sort of sexy romantic thing, with a whole cast of uh, fun friends. It's a bit more sitcom on that side, but it's sort of smashed together with. Lovers on the run, gunfights, international conspiracies, kind of action adventure. What more do you want? Exactly. It's got a bit of everything. (laughs) It's amazing. So I think it's a bit of a, in some ways, inspired by things from the 80s more. So like a movie called Something Wild or even a little bit like Romancing the Stone. Yeah. If you remember that with uh, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. So they're like, you know, going through all these adventures and action stuff in South America and they're bickering lovers at the same time. It's, It's sort of a modern take on that kind of thing. Don't give it all away now. No, oh, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Okay. Um, but how, it's um, how many episodes are we talking about here? There's, there's eight episodes. Good. Uh, so I, I directed the first three and number five, oh. and Laura Scrivano did the rest. And um, yeah, it's sort of a globe-trotting action adventure rom-com uh, thing that uh, starts in Manchester. Sort of based in Manchester, but it quickly sprawls across. And there's an Britain. Irish lad as the lead, isn't there? That's right, Gavin Dre. Yeah, he's uh, he plays Stefan. Yeah, and uh, he's great. He's Mostly known for some more dramatic things. I think he played Michael Collins in a thing at one point. And he's, he was in a movie called Valerian, a Luc Besson movie. But uh, he's he's a goofball. He's a funny man. And he's in a, his, his sort of group, his comedy group here in Dublin called Dream Gun. Oh. So they've got sort of a rotating cast of comedians. I think Tony Cantwell's done stuff with them and Hannah Mamelis. And they do a thing called Film Reads. Sounds like a solid crew. Very solid. They've been doing Edinburgh Fringe uh, in August as well. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's a funny man, loves comedy and he's fantastic in it. This sounds brilliant. So it's yeah. a kind of a nice, upbeat, easy watch that will just have me in stitches. Yes. Very, okay. very bingeable, very fast paced, uh, sexy location, sexy people. Lots <laughs> Where of did you film it? Where did you film it? Uh, well, it is based in Manchester initially, but there's sort of two timelines, two timelines in it. Um, so... Yeah, it was. I shot at Manchester. We went to Scotland, both coasts, so around you know Loch Fine, Loch Lomond kind of yeah. area, which is gorgeous. And the other side, sort of north and Dundee, we did a bit in a place called Morecambe on the on the west coast. And the other block of the show went abroad. I'm not sure how much I can say because they didn't put a lot in the trailer. <laughs> Don't put yourself yeah. in, in in danger I here of, of giving it all away. I, I've called it globe trotting. You know, globe trotting. Um, okay. So yeah, it is. It's a fast paced, very bingeable kind of show. Um, just lots of fun, and like, so as a director, it was a fun thing to yeah. shoot. Yeah, you, you've done you've done a lot of British TV series, right? Yeah. How mm. does a lad from Selbridge who studied at IADT end up making all these like incredible and like established British TV series? Um, you watched too much comedy as a teenager uh, to start with. Yeah, um, can you watch too much comedy? No, you can't. No. Um, yeah, that's sort of how it started. I wanted to, I wanted to make films. So I wanted to, that's why I went to film school. But I loved Python, and at the time, things like Big Train, Brass Eye, Day to Day, all these kind of sketch shows. And I wanted to make sketch comedy, yeah. as well as make a movie. But I want, I want the real details here, George. Detail, how how do, it happened? How do you do it? How do you get yourself picked up? Because these people are coming to you yeah. and saying, "I want you to direct my TV series." And these are TV series with big names. This mm. is like Phoebe Waller Bridge and stuff. You did Crashing with her. Yeah. Like how? How do you get known on an international level? Tell me all the juicy secrets. How did you do it? You slept your way to the top, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, it took ages. Absolutely ages. Um, it, uh, it was 
kind of unlikely. I was working here in Dublin in an editing company, a post-production place called Highwire. And I wanted to get into sketch comedy and directing. And I decided to write um, lots of material for uh, a sketch format show idea I had. And I thought while I'm editing and doing that as my day job, they kindly let me edit after hours. And I just month by month, bit by bit, shot a 25 minute pilot with all sorts of styles in it. Because it was like a spoof of the old Barry Norman or Jonathan Ross film review shows. So I could shoot fake clips of fake movies in the style of like Seven or you know yeah. evil dead or whatever so i did that over the course of like 18 months and did a few screenings here and showed some people but it's it's kind of mundane but like in work on the table there's televisual magazine and one episode or one sort of issue had uh steve coogan on the cover with saxondale at the time but there was just a, a story with the five main commissioners of comedy saying what they were sick of seeing what they wanted to see just an overview but it had the email addresses at the bottom of each one of them and I was reading that and I'd recently finished this pilot I made and Shane Allen was then in Channel 4. He's since gone on to BBC and further things. But I thought, I'm just going to mail Shane yeah. Allen. He commissioned stuff in Channel 4. And I just said, I was in work and I mailed him and said, I've made this thing. Can I send it to you? And three minutes later, I got a response. It was like, oh, sure, absolutely. Love to see it. And I was like, what the hell? Like, wow, it's so I, easy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, looking back, if it had been anyone else, that probably wouldn't have happened. But he was very accessible, open, probably still is. And I, I was sort of blown away. So I said, amazing, I'm going to send him this DVD. And I, I did and had a cover letter and everything. And I think he acknowledged it. And then he was just a bit like I didn't hear from him for like a month or two or something yeah. like that. I just chased it up. He said, I won't say, you know, I won't use the language. But he came back apologetic and saying, I'm sorry I took so long. Yeah. This is an astounding pilot. He used the word astounding. And I was just like melting in my chair and work <laughs> reading this. And he's like, oh, next time you're in London, get in touch and uh, let's meet up. And I pretended I was going to be there in three weeks. And said, oh, you yeah. just booked a flight. Exactly. Immediately. <laughs> and that's it's really as direct as that. I made this thing. He liked it, saw potential in it. And I just went to meet him. And uh, yeah, he was like the crazy thing was he was in the middle of there was a show called Plus One that was on years ago. Daniel Mays in it. And he called me back the next day and said, here, he went off, printed out some scripts, let me, left me alone in his office with the awards for Brass Eye and stuff. I'm just sitting there going, what is happening? Mm. He came back with the script and said, have a read of that. Come back the next day, meet the writers, pitch for directing it. I was like, I had no directing experience on a professional level at this point. And, uh, you know, I didn't get the job, but it went well. I'd never done, yeah. done it. And I called him afterwards, like, was that OK? And he was very you know, reassuring and encouraging. But he hooked me up with a company called Green Inc. in Belfast who were making a pilot for them at the time called Head Wreckers. And uh, that was it. He put me forward, recommended me. They unlikely, you know, I was 24, I think, at the time. And they hired me for the job ahead mm -hmm. of some other people. And I ended up working with them for years. So do you think it was like the recommendation from Shane Allen? They were like, oh, here, look, this, yeah. you know, he likes him. He has to be good. We'll put him, you know, we'll, we'll give him a chance here. Yeah, that's what a big part of it. They, they saw what I had sent Shane as well. Yeah. And they like that. They must like me. And wow. they wanted to be in with him too as well because he was yeah. going to commission stuff. So it was a whole mix of things. And he helped me, you know, get an agent as well. So wow, this dude. a bizarrely quick turnaround. Like lots of people go through the the crew stages or they, they work in different departments and they work their way towards directing or yeah. whatever else. But this was just like bizarrely direct. So whatever, the middle of 2007, 2008, I ended up, my first proper directing job was a Channel 4 pilot <laughs> here, here in Dublin. And that was sort of it at the beginning of it. You know, ups and downs since, but that got me kind of on the map. 
It's been pretty, like, I mean, you say ups and downs, but we don't really see the downs here no. when we're just looking at your IMDb profile and we're like, this dude has done some serious stuff. Mm. And it has been just, you know, show after show after show, um, which is just an insane career progression, which is brilliant. Now, so you do, um, you do, you do, you have, an, you have a movie out, which I think or <laughs> is probably the best Irish comedy I have ever seen in my life. It's not even finished. <laughs> no, not that one. Not that one. Oh, sorry. I'm talking about Discoverdale. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm leading yes. up to things here, George. So yeah. Discoverdale is, a, is you, you made it with um, the band. Do you call them a band? Dead Cat Bounce. Yeah, a comedy, comedy, rock, band, comedy yeah. rock band, Dead Cat Bounce. And genuinely, it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Um... <laughs> I can't even talk about it to be honest, but um, it's I'll let you I'll let you give us the synopsis there. Give us the crack for Well, the the premise is is very good. It's the idea was at the time, Deca Bounce are at a very low ebb as an act, um, not biographical at all. And uh, they uh, Jim, the lead singer, decides he's breaking up the band, but he's got this new quest because he's pretty convinced that his biological dad is David Coverdale from Whitesnake. This is in the movie. This is this not is in, in movie, real life. Not in real life. <laughs> Um, so that's the idea is that our, our band has failed. We're going to move on, but I've got this quest. I want to track him down. They're on tour. I want to track him down, confront him and find out the truth. Is he really my dad? And the other two lads in the band come yeah. along for the ride. But it's a it's a completely sort of semi-improvised, zero-budget mockumentary where we really chased Whitesnake around. It does sound like it, you're looking at it going, it feels like they're really doing this. It feels they like <laughs> they didn't have access to this. I mean, you're going up to the guest list door at Whitesnake shows in London mm-hmm. kind of going, hey, I'm, you know, I'm his son. Can you let me in? And the, they're just like, what? Well, no. they were well, they were like, what? But also some of them took it more seriously than we expected. And we we're like, oh, no, we're going to get in trouble here. But th- so this is the thing I want to talk about. Is like, So you're saying it was like somewhat improvised, right? Almost entirely, yeah. How do you even start to plan uh, a movie like that? I mean, because it just—I <laughs> want people to watch this. I want people to go and search. Can people watch it? Is it available to watch online? It's, it's a bit of a tricky one. It is—you can get the DVD. It's on Amazon and stuff like that, but it's not officially like available in the UK and Ireland. Annoyingly, to stream. It's not a stream. It's not on streaming. It's not on streaming no, sites anyway. No, I think we're gonna. Uh, this is gonna be one of those things that people are going to be like, "Oh yeah, I know George Kane." It's like, "Have you ever seen Discovery?" I was like, "No." <laughs> and one cult of those things thing. that you know, yeah. in a few years' time, people, it's it's gonna be just a, a cult thing. It is. People yeah. are gonna be looking at it and go, and I'm gonna be delighted because I'm like, oh, I saw that exactly. years ago. But it is fantastic. Um, but it seems like a logistical nightmare to me. You know, I you know I work in music and do photography, and it, it's it's quite standard. Our shoots are really short. They're really sharp. It's quite. It's it's quick and painless. Doing a movie sounds like a logistical nightmare between massive amounts of budgets, not to mention the COVID crisis that you know mm. sent insurance prices through the roof and made everything so yeah. much harder. Um, what was Discoverdale like? Was that kind of your first foray into learning how to do all of that? Kind of, but it didn't happen like any other. Like it happened... <laughs> The pre-production period was like eight days, and that includes the writing the thing. Like it, was, it was insane. I yeah, uh, the the idea was like I went to that cat bounce with an idea for an interrailing busking across Europe idea. Right, I was going to be sitcom or something. I was looking for a vehicle for them to do what they do. And did you just like what they did? Yeah, we were we were kind of had become friends by that point, and uh, but we never worked together. And I wanted to do something with them. I thought, how can we... Because it's hard for a comedy music band to find a vehicle for television because Concords and what else is there? It's, what do you do? Yeah. So I had this idea about sort of busking around Europe and stuff. And they, they liked it, but they had this other 
white snake based idea from years ago and they said what if we mash them together so they're busking around chasing the band and uh we had like a two-page outline and i was meeting these two producers james dean and chris carey one of the execs on wedding season weirdly uh 10 years later and he um they liked the idea said it felt more like a road movie than a sitcom and then i just met them like literally 10 minutes they started googling white snake and oh they're on a world tour right now Oh. And Chris just turned to me and said, oh, well, we have to do something. We have to do something next week. Next week? Yeah, this is 10 minutes into meeting. We've got to do it. And he started making calls. It's like, well, and they're like literally pulled out napkins, writing a bit of a budget. What, what do we need? Blah, blah, blah. The idea was that we just go and follow Whitesnake around and see what happens. And we didn't really know what it was going to be. So he's on the phone thinking, okay, I think I'm 70% sure I can get enough money to get you there. And he, he looked at me, he's like, are you any good? Are you any good? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, I hope so. And then carried on with his phone call. That, um, is that kind of what you look for in a, in a good producer, though? Someone that's just instantly takes your idea and turns it into like real life and well, goes, not, okay, well, they go, make go, it go. happen. Yeah, like yeah. They, they need to see the angles and how to make it a reality financially and logistically. And good people. Yeah. And like he's done a, a lot of great drama since then on TV, The Responder recently, right. and Martin Freeman. But, um, but literally, it was like hung up the phone. This is probably going to happen. We're not sure yet, but you go back to Dublin and start writing with the guys because yeah. you've got maybe a week. The writing is exceptional, I have to say. Every line in that movie cracks me <laughs> up. Like, um, they're funny people. They're very, very funny people. And it's not the only time you've worked with them now, is it? Because yeah. Shane and James of Dead Cat Bounce have worked on your new feature film. Yeah. Apocalypse yeah. clown. Apocalypse clown, <laughs> and I'm yes. very, I'm very, very delighted that I got to work on this as well yes. as a, as a little tiny stills photographer that was brought in <laughs> for a couple of days just to look at all the famous people and take some pictures. Yeah. So, you okay? You're an Irish lad with a dream and a full length <laughs> feature film. Now, <laughs> you've yeah. just finished editing it. Am I right? Uh, yeah, the edits finished, the scores finished, the effects nearly finished. So we we uh, finished shooting it early April. And uh, yeah, I think we kind of locked the edit about two months ago or something like that. And you shot it primarily in Kildare? Yeah, a little bit in Dublin, but mostly sort of North Kildare. Is that because you're from there and you just wanted just, your, your first yeah. big movie to be from Kildare? I just Kildare. really wanted to sleep in my childhood bedroom while and I made did, the film. And you did, didn't Because yeah. it was very covid times, right? So it there was. was like not a lot of hotels and everything else and everyone had to be bubbled. It was just money, Ruth. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to be nice about it. But you know what? When I That was the only feature film I've ever worked on as a stills photographer mm. and I got there and I was like, oh my God, this must be costing you guys a fortune. And it is, right? How much does a movie cost? Ballpark. This was over two million, but like, oh that's a low budget. Is it? Film. But for what we did, we made, we stretched it. It's like, in some ways, almost like a period movie. It's uh, everybody's in costume and makeup the whole time, and it's about clowns. It's very specific. Big makeup. Big makeup job, yeah. So it's a Belgian co-production. So you had some excellent Belgians, yeah. uh, doing that for us and costume as well. And um, it's just got a mad look. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's wild. It's weird. It's and nice, that's yeah. another one that every single line will crease you. It's hilarious. It's a really strong script. Uh, you know, um, I'm biased, obviously, but the guys, same guys, discover the guys, very, very funny people, very smart. It's like my favorite kind of, it's silly, which I think is a yeah. better word than wacky, zany, things like that. Silly for me is like Python. It's very yeah. smart people being really silly. Yeah. You know, and that's that's what it is. It's like, the joke rate's incredibly high for a modern comedy. But they were tweaking that script for something like 10 years though, yeah, right? Yeah, it took us like about nine years to finally get it wow. before cameras. Yeah, just through ups and downs, COVID funding, all sorts yeah. of things. And uh, it just, a lot of lovely things fell into place. The cast, 
the way it looked, everything. Can we talk about the cast? Do we know who's in it yet? Uh, we can, yeah, we can. Um, <laughs> so David Earl is one of the lead clans, so people would know him mostly from Ricky Gervais' show as Afterlife and Derek. So good in those. Yeah. He's just... He's great. He's, people love him from those shows, and he's had a movie out this year called Brian and Charles that yeah. he he wrote and starred in um, that did well in Sundance last January. So he's he's great. And uh, Natalie Palomides is one of the other clowns who's American. She's a comedian. I, I don't know what, what to call her. She's a character comedian, but she's a, a clown. Like she's an actual clown, trained clown. And she does this, these sort of no-holds-barred, vanity-free, really kind of in-your-face live shows. And she's got a show on Netflix called Nate, yeah, which is really worth checking out. Amy Poehler produced it, and it's a an hour-long live special where she plays this dude called Nate yeah. with a hairy chest and a big tash and... It's about consent. You know, it's like insane interactive comedy with the audience, but it's about something as well. And it's just wild. But she's amazing in it. She plays this psychotic clown. Uh, uh, feral, feral sort of street clown. And um, and another Irish uh, performer, Fionn Foley, uh, who's been, does a lot of theatre, a lot of sketch stuff in Dublin as well. But he's he's fantastic. And he plays Pepe, a talentless mime. Um, we've got Ivan Kay, who is in Wedding Season, who's like an evil patriarch in that. But he's like, a big bad clown called the Great Alfonso. They're 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 all brilliant, and you have Amy. And Amy Defrune, well. yeah, she plays this, uh, you know, idealized or um, sort of a yeah, a journalist who works for clickbait places, but really wants to tell a story and thinks she's onto something here. She hates the clowns. She's got history with David's character Bobo, so but, it's sort of a mad road trip with the five of them forced into a clown car. Yeah. After her solar flare sends Ireland into anarchy. It's one, See, just one of those typical I don't, I don't know. Irish I haven't movies. read I didn't read the script. I just turned up to take the photographs yeah, because I want no to I want to savor the moment where I watch it all together and absolutely die of laughter. Because I just know the bits that I saw you guys recording every day, I was like, This this is gonna be amazing. It is, it's gonna be huge. It's it's, it's gonna be a massive, massive thing for you and a massive thing for Ireland. Like There's nothing like it genuinely like, like you know, it's easy to pitch these things, but there is nothing yeah, I can't. It's hard to compare it to things. I tried to have this Venn diagram of like, what is what is it like, and I ended up with like <laughs> Tropic Thunder with Nail and I, Zombieland, and Three Amigos. That's <laughs> so you know, try and mash them in your head. Yeah, set it in Ireland with a lot of clowns. You need something with a little bit there. more. We need to get the costumes in there a little bit more as well, though. Ask, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. ask me more. Yeah, three it's, amigos, so. it's a definitely. Uh, it looks beautiful the way you've shot it, the way it looks, the way all the costumes and the makeup and everything there. I cannot wait to see it. When now I know it's a long process. Okay, you've you've shot it and you've edited it and you've done the VFX and you've yeah. done everything else. When do, you know you finished shooting it in April. When is it likely that you would see a movie after that? It will be next year. It entirely depends on being an indie movie, the sort of festival journey. Yeah. So when we get it finished, you know, we we have plans to release it in Ireland and the UK, but it depends on the festivals that we get it into and selling it internationally, and that'll dictate release schedules, things like that. So my rough guess would be the middle of next year, but... I mean, fingers crossed, everything just gets greenlit and it goes boom, 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 and off it goes. And it just it'll turn some heads, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing the poster around town. It'll definitely (laughs) turn some heads. It's bonkers. It is bonkers. It's the the silliest thing I've ever been involved in, you know. Really? And that says a lot. You've been been involved in some pretty weird stuff, so. (laughs) (laughs) And also in television. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, George, Kane, thank you so much. Uh, For everyone listening, check out Wedding Seasons tomorrow night. Um, It starts on Disney Plus and then have a little look out for Apocalypse Clown, which will be coming to cinemas hopefully next summer. George, thank you so much. Thank you very much. 
now, joining me on the show right now is a fantastic artist who I very much admire and a dear friend of mine, Maria Kelly. You're very welcome, Maria. Hello. You're going to play some tunes for us and have a bit of a chat, right? Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. So it's been probably a big year for you. Is it right in saying that? It's it's nearly a year since your debut record. Yes. Some of the in-between was released. How's yeah. it gone? Really well. Yeah, I would say <laughs> um, it was the first like huge body of work I released. It felt like the most um, me of the work I've released, which is always a nice feeling. And then equally so, it seemed to be returned to me in really lovely ways when I put that out. So it was like it, I think it found it was kind of the first thing I put out that it, I saw the the reach it had more so than I had experienced before um, and kind of I think helped me find my type of listeners and the people who like kind of really gravitated towards it which is just like a dream as an artist it made me kind of go like oh I kind of like I kind of get this now <laughs> if that makes sense like I think a lot of writing and releasing is kind of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks and this was the first thing where I was like, oh, I really see what this does and who it reaches and yeah, what it can achieve, um, which was a really nice separation from myself, if that makes sense. So like instead of like, I do this thing, it's like, yeah, we do this thing. Yeah, we do this thing <laughs> or like we all get to benefit from this thing. Or I, I, Yeah, it may, it allowed me to meet a lot of like minded people and. Yeah, and, and play for them live. I remember I came to see you at your glorious workman's show. Mm. And it, you know what you said there about finding your listener? I did feel like I was in a room full of Maria Kelly listeners. Yeah, it really feel, it felt like, oh, these people really get it. Like, yeah. they're they're not just my friends or my family. I've, like, dragged along. They're like, there was way more faces there I had never seen, yeah. which was the first time that's kind of happened. Yeah, um, it's, it's a strange thing to explain, but they were they were like you could hear a pin drop and everyone was so respectful. But they were, you know, I think everyone when you mentioned Maria Kelly, people are like, yeah, you know, oh. what I mean? we, we kind of, everyone's just like, yeah, it's like you're it's like you're you're an atmosphere. You're, oh, you're, that's so nice. you're a whole thing. It's not just like, oh, I should play some tunes. It's like, yeah, Maria Kelly, oh, maybe we should you. give our listeners a little bit of a taste of what you do. Would you play us a song? Yes, I'll give it a go. What are you going to play for us? Which one is um, this? I'm going to play eight hours which is one of the first tracks on the album kind of a fun fun one about calling yourself out on oh yeah hello i don't know if i'm allowed to swear but you know you know what i mean yeah call yourself yeah. out on your stuff yeah, your stuff. yeah. <laughs> grand give us a listen to this then <laughs> If I'm coming or going And if only I knew I'd know what to do It's in the night sleeping My mind repeating Everything that I've done I used to be fun Well, they never 
Thank you for that that was beautiful thank you very much um so we've caught you i think at a very opportune moment in the kind of the album cycle process okay usually when people come to a radio station and they play their songs it's about a forthcoming release you know mm. and there's a lot of energy directed to putting something out into the world and then the focus kind of moves away after a couple of months and you know people are like oh you know where are they gone what are they doing what are they? so you you released your album a year ago mm. like can we talk about I, like, I know this is being a photographer and having to kind of work out all the time all the time all the time for fear that someone's going to like forget me almost you know what I mean but you're in a beautiful period at the moment where it's the album's done you know mm. that's that's out there it's it's people are enjoying it people are doing their thing what comes next then for you as an artist as a musician as a songwriter as a lyricist you know how do you how do you how do you cope with the cycle yourself um well I think you've also caught me at a time where I feel very positive about it but in terms of the last kind of few months I definitely struggled with that cycle massively like I was feeling the pressure of what's next what's next in maybe like February and I had released it in October but I think it's because these cycles move so quickly and like so much of the energy goes into the before an album of letting people know it's happening and then oftentimes it's at times it's out and it's it's almost done so quickly and that made me so sad because it felt it felt like this huge like chapter for me in my life that I had captured and I really wanted to kind of make that last as long as I could. Mm. So in like February, I was feeling that pressure, but I was like, okay, I definitely don't want to write another album, mm. but there's ways of kind of, I think, 
re reimagining the content of it or like oh, I hate the word content but no we can <sighs> use content in an artistic in that way in, yeah, okay. in a nice way um, definitely content yeah so it it was a reimagining like the like there was so many themes within the album there was there was a lot about like connection to others and like finding kind of compassion for yourself and then I ended up coming up with this kind of side project off the the album which started as like um letters like I I had kind of used postcards as a visual thing during the album and I've always written like notes to myself or like journaled or like I just love putting a pen to paper and I was I kind of started this idea of what if I asked other people to do that and then I met two illustrators who were like we would love to design like the front of these letters which became like postcards and it kind of snowballed into this whole other project which definitely plugged which I'm sure we'll talk about more but that plugged the gap of yeah let's talk about that because you know your album is the sum of the in between but then this other project that you're working on postcards in between Mm -hmm. and you know correct me if I'm wrong but it, it it was an exhibition but then it was also a tour and then there was new music and it was it seemed like an opportunity for you as an artist to collaborate with other artists because yeah. there's you know other different musicians contributed to this project and to this you know show I don't know what we'd call it but mm. yeah there was so many elements it kind of kept building like the yeah the the crux of it was an exhibition I was working towards in um April <clears throat> and then around that I was like there's so many other things to be created here so we started like asking if some of these artists wanted to do like alternative versions of the album which kind of kept that cycle alive for a little longer and and then they so I asked I guess to explain the the postcards in between I asked 12 songwriters to write a letter to a version of themselves whether that was in the past or the future or presently um and it was based off the themes of one of the tracks on the album. So I would send them a track and then, or they chose some of them, whichever ones they resonated with. And then they wrote a letter. And what I got back was just insane. Like the the willingness to be so vulnerable, just because that's a really special thing to get off somebody. Like it's their innermost thoughts and they were really these are public people as well. I mean, this is James yeah. Vincent McMorrow, Saint Sister, Rosie yeah, Paul Carney, Paul like, And I really... I aimed high with the names. I was like, I, I think they're probably too busy. But then like they came back and they were like, yeah, we'll do this. This sounds I, cool. I think probably musicians are just delighted to be asked to do something musical that isn't, you know, go do a live session, yeah. go do this, go to that. You know, so, and you've given people an opportunity to show other sides of their creativity. Um, yeah. I think if for you, I mean... You don't hear a lot of musicians putting on exhibitions. I wish mm-hmm. we heard more of it. Um. How did you even kind of come up with that? Is that something you want to do again? Can we see more Maria Kelly exhibitions popping up? Um, did you enjoy it? Honestly, the weekend of, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. This is the thing. No one tells you that it's yeah, hard work. It was really hard. And like, in hindsight, I'm so proud we did it. Like, I had so many people helping me. Like, in terms of how I came up with it, it was kind of loads of people's ideas molded into one. And I had... Like Mind and Creative Minds did it with me, mm. um, and they were a huge support. They're an amazing organization for anyone that doesn't know who they are. That lend um, support to people who work in the creative industry, whether they need to see a therapist or whether they mm-hmm. just need to have someone listen to them for a minute or whatever. Because it's a free, it's a free yeah, totally to access, free, which yeah. is amazing. And yeah, they were felt right to do it with a 
like a group that like understands yeah knows more about mental health than me because it was very like as I say vulnerable project like a lot of different themes were coming up um but like I enjoyed creating something like that but the actual weekend I think I had never done a two-day event which was a long time (laughs) in hindsight and like the whole load in and the setup and the load out and then we also just got a weekend where it was really bad weather and like I also in hindsight as well I also think um it was asking and I don't mean that this in a negative way but when I was in there I was like this is quite tough to read for some people and I don't know if people want to engage with something like this all the time like and I I afterwards I was thinking that I was like maybe that's a lot to ask for some people because it was very that we had like an audio visual room and like a lot of people came out of there like crying and I was like (laughs) okay maybe this is like people need to cry and art is a beautiful way to do it but it it felt maybe like I, I what I'm planning to do now is I think there's so much content in that project that I'm so proud of that I'm now looking at ways to keep sharing it that wasn't just that physical space yeah because um, obviously it's just limited to that those two days and who's around and yeah whatever else but like there's like 12 letters there there's 12 beautiful illustrations we made like a there's just, like a 20 minute film basically of like wow people reading we I got them to read them out as well which is and my producer Matt made this incredible like musical bed oh so it. this is much bigger there's going to be a book there's going to be a movie <laughs> oh, <baby>. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with this. We're having the scoop here, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so, and now the nice thing about having all that is like, I want to kind of roll that out in a way where it just kind of looks after itself. And then in the background, I can like, this is lovely. not really worry about it and kind of now write the next thing. So I'm now in a place where I'm like, okay, now I feel kind of done with yeah. that. That's brilliant. Um, so you, you, you know, you, you took yourself out of your com- comfort zone and went hmm. into, not like, you know, and I, I, I think it makes sense after seeing you play live. I've seen you play live for years now, but you know, catching your workman's show was just one of the the highlights. I think for me, seeing you in all those years. Um, oh, amazing. But because you have this, you know, the Maria Kelly atmosphere, but also the aesthetic is there too. So I, for me, you might think it was you're stepping out of your comfort zone to do something visual over a two day event, and mm. that does sound like a lot. It really does. You know, I'm not trying to like, oh, ah, you'd be grand. It does sound like you know, it's such an achievement. But for me, looking at you from an outsider's point of view, it seemed like a natural progression because. Mm-hmm. You know, watching you in the Workman's, you had the stage decorated so incredibly well with like TVs and flowers and all this kind Mm. of stuff. I was like, you put on a show, you put on a visual show as well as an audio show. So it kind of just seemed seamless for me watching from the outside going, yeah, that makes total sense. Would you do us the honour of playing another little tune for us? And we'll come back with more chats after that. Yes, I will. What's this one you're going to play now? I will play Martha, which was the first (gasps) single from the album. Love this. Tell us there. Okay, just just while I have you. Okay. Um, <laughs> starts with a voice note, doesn't it? Yes. It from... starts with a voice note that says, "It might be the end of the world, but like it's fine." That's <laughs> just so absolutely beautifully uh, poignant. Who is it? It's my very good friend Martha, who the song is named after, and um, she's actually currently my housemate. We moved in together, of course. Um, and she sent me that the day pandemic made news in Ireland <gasps> and I remember it so well me and Joe Furlong who you, who we both know very yeah. well we Gorgeous were job. we had like heard some news and we were hanging out that day and we were like 
do you want to go to my house and drink wine? And we were about just like drinking wine, kind of like, what's, ha- what's happening? And then she sent us this amazing voice note that I saved immediately because I was like, this is just, I just know immediately, like, it, yeah. this is amazing. Because my friend Martha is anxious. Like, she's <laughs> the anxious one. And she's like, guys, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Everything's cool. And then, like, the whole voice note's kind of at the end of the song where she's, like, trying to calm us all down. And then at the end, she's like, don't panic. You can tell you can tell in my voice I'm panicking. Yeah, but don't panic. It's fine. It's fine. But I think it captures what everybody was like. This is bizarre. Yeah, it's the end of the world. But she was crying. Like, it's, it's fine. fine. It's Such fine. A, an Irish thing. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's and fine. then this song just became about kind of like the process of things changing drastically and trying to deal with that and like the a lot about friendship and like moving on. And I had I had also come back from Berlin a few months. At, like. You were living before in Berlin, I, right? yeah. yeah, before I wrote this. So I was, it was just a real transient time. So that's what this song's kind of about. Please play Martha first, if you will. I got a call from Martha. Everything has changed now. I tell the time will heal it Comes maybe worse somehow It's really got me thinking The hours better in Berlin I wonder what I'm missing I wonder Break up, break down I'm not Can't swim, can't drown I'm not Oh 
that was Maria Kelly with Martha. Maria, thank you so much. Thanks. So, you know, you've come a long way, you know, as a musician, as a professional musician, you've, you've, you've recorded, released your very first album. Would you say there was like a lot of like learning experiences in there? What would you write on a postcard to another version of yourself? Ah, oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think there was a lot of learning putting out that that record as I as I said I think uh, I because it's my name on the project I've always found it kind of hard to separate me as a person from me as the business I guess or the the project of it all and I think this I think I learned that um, as I say I kind of see what the project does for people and that is a really kind of powerful place to be because the worth is not so much in me it's more in what it can do what it can translate um that kind of thing so that's been really powerful and then um in terms of what I would write on a postcard I think um I would remind myself uh to really concentrate on the process of making the thing because there's been many periods of time where I've got quite lost or overwhelmed because I'm kind of putting a lot of weight on everything else outside of that. And um, I think I feel in a nice place now where I'm quite excited to make the next thing and allow myself the time. I think it is all about time, isn't it? It's about space and breathing and being in in the right headspace and the right, you know, all the Mm. right time to create something because it is yeah. you know people do sometimes forget that you know the music has to come first it's not about the Instagram or the TikTok or whatever no, you know it's, it's so easy to fall into yeah. that and I think like I wrote that album during a period where I got a lot of time to focus on my process of doing it and that doesn't that isn't that common for me actually I'm like I'm really lucky when I get that time and then like I've realized that I I just need to make that time for and I need to really zone in on that process for myself as if there was nothing else ever going to come of it Mm. um because I just I've definitely created in different headspaces before where you're starting to make something and then you're like oh but like it needs to be three minutes or like or or like maybe I need to write more about this thing or like I can't have that long of an intro because it'll probably be cut for radio or like all of these things that sneak into your head before you've even given yourself a chance to make the idea it's so easy to fall in that so well I yeah. I wish you now uh, as long as you need I, I wish you all the time in the world in a secluded <laughs> place with your freest of headspaces <laughs> time to sink into whatever it is comes naturally next from you with absolutely no pressure from the world whenever you're ready to put something else out into the world we will be there ready to listen but in your own time. Thank you very much. <laughs> Will you please do us the honour of playing us out with one more song? Yes. Which um, what are you going to play next? I'll play the title track of the album. Fantastic. So there's some of the in-between. Thank you so much, Maria, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm away.
That was Carlsbad. They, that's the moniker of a new artist. They come from the States and they're now based in Dublin and they're about to burst onto the music scene. And that was their debut single, Still Life. This is a lovely wee event that's happening in Daly Mount Park from the 8th to the 11th of September. The Bohemian Environmental Justice Film Festival. Is there ever anything cool that bows aren't at? I feel like they're just one of those sports organisations that just are unbelievably dripping with cool. Um, They're the first football club in the world to have a climate officer. And the aim of this film festival is to bring together a programme of films that can inspire conversation and action on environmental justice. There's there's going to be a whole host of panel discussions and Q&As around each film. Um, they also have a family screening of A Bug's Life on Saturday at 12pm. Tickets are a mere fiver and can be bought at beff.ie. We are here for the weird events on Spotlight. The artier, the better. And this just sounds so curious. The Arts Centre in Louth um, have done what they call a countrywide arts and heritage treasure hunt called Culture Quest. Uh, And it runs from April to December, so it's pretty long running. But I think it's based around the premise that in 2050, art and heritage as we know it has been destroyed by rolling pandemics, political unrest and climate change. Now that to me sounds scary AF because that seems really real. (laughs) So I'm like, please don't turn this into reality. And I don't think 2050 is too far away either. But anyway, so there's a a custodian of art from this dystopian future has placed 20 surviving artworks around County Louth for safekeeping. And what you have to do, okay, is download the app from Louth Culture Quest. It costs just a fiver. And then you basically run around the whole county of Louth, hunting down all these specifically commissioned artworks. Now, Father Ted's Joe Rooney. Do you remember Father Damo? He's involved. He's the guide within the app who takes you around the place and spurs you on. The county has been split into four zones, North and South, Dundalk and Drogheda. And there's 20 new artworks by four visual artists have been created specifically for this quest with five artworks in each zone. It sounds like an amazing way to have the crack with the family, see some art and take a jaunt around Louth. Now, let's bang it out with some brand new Irish tunes. This is Just Wondering with Just My Luck. Just my luck
up on me. I don't wanna be another bad story. I'm alright if we kiss tonight, if we kiss tonight, then I really better leave it out. I've been out a night when I wanna be someone I'm missing the morning. Shakes you know, I shake, shakes you know, shakes you know, I don't really wanna give it up. Just my luck I start this with another cliche or how does the story go? I've worn a mask every day you peek behind now and wanna go And the cards are stacked and the house is packed and I wanna go home And the cards are stacked and the house is packed and I wanna go home Everybody's got time Everybody seems to have so much time Everybody seems to have so much time But I'm wasting mine, it's what I got I'm the only fucker in this place Who isn't doing fine and I'm not fine You're the extrovert, I'm the introvert And that's the rules Then I'm the extrovert, you're the introvert The swap and go And the cards are stacked and the house is packed And I want to go home Spoken every day for eight years, what do I do when you're gone? And everybody's got time. Everybody seems to have so much time. Everybody seems to have so much time that I'm wasting mine. Is what I got on the only fucker in this place who isn't doing fine and I'm not That was Sprints with How Does the Story Go, one of my favourite tunes. Sprints are an incredibly fun, energetic and intense live band that I first caught at the Ireland Music Week showcase back in like lockdown times. IMW, of course, used to be called Hardworking Class Heroes and it's been running for like, I think, 21 years at this point. Uh, I've been the photographer for about 12, 13, 14 years 
<laughs> so I've seen I've seen a lot of these festivals and it has it's how I keep in touch with brand new Irish bands. What they do like it's an annual event and the lads in First Music Contact contact they invite loads of international bookers, promoters, uh, record label executives and just music industry people over to Ireland for the week and they schedule a full festival of gigs featuring our newest bands and acts. They also put on, you know, uh, networking events and listening sessions. So they'll literally take the lads from Spotify, bring them to Ireland, put, sit them in a chair and put tunes on for them. And they're like, this is what we have to offer. This is what Ireland has to offer. It's such an amazing resource for bands. Now, IMW is happening this year from the 4th to the 8th of October. So if you're into seeing new Irish bands and keeping your finger on the pulse there, it's definitely the place for you. But if you can't make it, do not worry. We are going to have a very special episode of Spotlight that is dedicated to IMW with live sessions from some of the bands as well as chats with the festival organiser, Angela Dorgan. Now... Let's hear from another IMW alumni now, shall we? This is Erica Cody with her new song, Love Like This. People got a lot to say. I've been staying in my lane. That's me. Yeah, they thought that I was about to play these games. But their opinions, no, they ain't none of my business. When I say let's rock, I don't mean a ring. Got me feeling special like a pretty little thing Been busy working overtime, ooh baby on my vacation They say I've been distracted, the rumors say I'm playing oh, no, no. They just wanna love like this, a love like this All it took was just one kiss, just one kiss Got L-O-V-E on my lips, on my lips with a love like this Love like this, they've been calling me a tea and I'm hard to please I've been sleeping drama free But since we're so damn honest I'll never break a promise Just one kiss, just one kiss. 
So that's about all the time we have here for you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, as I said before, and I'll say it again, this is your show as much as it is mine. I want you to use this as a community notice board. So if there's something fun happening in your area or community centre, or maybe your band is playing a gig or you're launching a brand new drag night, come and chat with me on the radio. You can reach us here, spotlight at dublincityfm.ie or find us on social media, drop us an DM. Personally, I'm Ruthless Imagery on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, all of that. I am well open to hearing everything that's going on in your life. Well, you know, to, to an extent. <laughs> Send me all your arts and culture bits and some brand new music. Uh, I want to play you out right now with another Irish tune. Uh, It's from a band called Still Blue. They are a four-piece indie pop band based in Dublin in Ireland and they're new and exciting and utterly gorgeous. Uh, But come here, if you're listening to any of the musicians that you've heard on this episode and you really, really like what you've heard, do us a favour and put your hand in your pocket and support them. Buy some merch, buy some gig tickets, support the artists that you love because a life without art would be a miserable place indeed. Have a lovely day, folks. Slán agus gurnmáchatz. The sun never reaches my window So I find it hard to get a tan And there's a scary stillness Looking on from where I stand I'm all that moves in sight Even the bugs have held their breath And you tell me
Ten times Ballast on my chest As I woke up Every inhale The night you stole Fucked up Balancing my head But it's all good I'll see you again But I miss the way The sun streamed through my window And I miss the way Still it's nice Dreaming that you're somewhere Feeling the same heat that I did Another time If invisible lines feel